How you doing? Welcome to episode 7 of Behind the Founder podcast. My name is Jonathan Margell and I will be your host. Avi, are you messing with me, man? Why is the speed so slow this week? You know I like that fast-paced good good. But you know what? Adjustments. Let's go. I feel that I've already accomplished everything that I've been looking to achieve with this podcast. I'm getting calls and texts and DMs. Haha, man, that was so funny. Yo, where did you come up with that stupid line? Yo, I'm dying, bro. You know what? That's exactly why I'm doing this. To entertain, to keep you company, to talk about nothing, to talk about everything, tap into the network. This is the best. Right now, this is a blowout and we are just padding the stats. You feel me? It's fascinating. I've created a second version of myself, crawl into the man cave, jot down some notes all week, turn on the mic, turn on the mixer, get it popping on the laptop, and just let it flow. I'm loving the questions. I'm loving the topics. When I'm hitting record, man, it's such an interesting thing that's happening. I'm a little bit more filtered than usual, but it still feels just right. I need to be doing this. I love to talk. I love to joke. And I especially love talking to people who I love and admire. And we have to keep the podcast going. This week, we have a very special guest, Avi Glenna, coming to your ears live from Toronto. Avi is a very special person in my life, a big character, a very unique person, and just a wonderful, beautiful human being. I am so excited to talk to him about real estate and how he got started with his recent property management company. Avi also happens to own a farm with acres and acres of land and animals and toys and tractors and just Michigas. We're going to talk about that too. But first, Captain Kaplan, can you hit me off with a beat real quick? you putting that beat in there just in case you forgot you are still listening to behind the founder podcast welcome back in a moment we're gonna get avi on the horn let's get it started baby welcome avi to behind the founder podcast brother first of all what are you sipping right now well, I'm drinking some uh, good, good old quarantine stockpiled tequila. I bought 200 bottles of tequila before we went into this whole COVID business, but we're not going to talk about that right now. What kind of uh, tequila? I'm drinking a, uh, I don't even want to tell you because it ain't fancy, but it was. Uh, it serves a purpose, and and I squish a, a, a an orange into it, and it's a beautiful thing. I love that. I love that. Can you guess what I'm drinking? 
Ah, I got a feeling you're drinking some sake. I think you're cheating because I just told you. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Fernet, but uh, (laughs) I don't even know what that is. That's, (laughs) by the way, a story for another day. I'm excited about that. (laughs) We got lots of stories for a lot of other days. We're going to try to keep it high level and professional tonight. And on that note, we have a very special relationship. Uh, I just want to make sure that that all the listeners they understand how much how much I care about you. I look up to you, appreciate and and very much cherish our friendship. Uh, the way we were we were introduced to one another is an amazing story itself. Uh, it was clearly meant to be. Worlds have merged now, and it's it's amazing. We we speak so often, and and we've traveled together, and and I even spent a few nights uh, at your house, with the family. And I'm very, very looking forward to to the conversation today. So, well, well, my my sentiments are echoed. You're you're a very special person, and uh, you hold a special place in my heart. Uh, and I value our friendship. And you know, enough with all the the pleasantries. But really, uh, you know, I'm sure as all of your friends know, your family knows, and and hopefully your listeners know, you're cut from a different cloth. And uh, I really appreciate and value the the friendship that we have and the time we get to to be together. And you're you're a good boy. You're just a good. You're a good. You're a good boy, Johnny. Your parents raised you well. It's a bromance. <laughs> I don't know about that. Listen, I think that your <laughs> folks did a good job raising you, and uh, you know we we come from a similar stock. To jump right into it, you know my folks are uh, you know some of the most special people in my life. I've spent some time with your parents and I know how special they are and the testament to them that you've turned out to be a good kid. And me as a, as a father of three kids, uh, you know, the challenge is to really make sure that you're raising menches and uh, especially in a a privileged environment, you know, thank God we have family that, that came before us that worked very hard to give us a, a good life and, and we continue to hold that torch and try to pass it to the next generation. The obligation and expectations on our kids is that uh, we try to, to raise menches and it's on us to do that. So it's important who you surround yourself with. And my kids call you Uncle Johnny and, you know, my son Shy loves talking with you about your Michigas shoe collection <laughs> i i'd prefer he talks with you about apartment buildings but uh next year next year yeah <laughs> he seems to like talking about the shoe collection more okay. so uh you know it's all good it's all good i get along with the whole family that's right that's right so introduce yourself to the lovely listeners who is the man the myth the legend avi glenna well listen uh my name is avi uh avi glenna i'm uh 42-year-old, living in a Peter Pan life. I feel like I'm 18, uh, going on 17, working backwards. I come from good stock. My grandparents are all Holocaust survivors. Um, Not religious, but a heavy Zionist. I believe in a a strong Israel and a a place for our people. Uh, And uncertain times, you know, for another conversation, we can talk about that. But, you know, I believe in a strong Israel, I believe in ethics and a, a handshake. I'm raised on, uh, you know, values and morals that your word is your bond. And, you know, like, like in Goodfellas, my name and my balls, and I don't break them for anybody. Um, <laughs> it's a heavy one. 
I don't know if you got to edit that. Is this an R-rated podcast or how, how are we doing on language? We're okay. I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah, good. But my family has been in in real estate. Uh, I'm a third generation in real estate uh, development management, and uh, we're owner operators. Uh, so my grandparents came to Canada from Europe after the Holocaust. They started with nothing, cleaning toilets, buying rooming houses. Uh, moved from Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, Regina, Saskatchewan, where my mom was born, to Winnipeg, Manitoba, then to Toronto. They had three daughters and they wanted to raise them uh, in, a, in a Jewish city. Uh, so they moved to Toronto. My grandfather, my Zadie Mendel, who was my special bond, my other grandfather, unfortunately passed before I was born. I was named after him, uh, Maury. He was a, a partisan in the forest in the, the war. I can talk for hours about uh, where I come from, but uh, needless to say, I know you want to you want to kind of lob this into real estate. So I'm third generation real estate. My folks uh, started their own business in '78 when I was born, uh, buying uh, multifamily apartment buildings. They diversified into commercial retail, industrial. I came on board with them after university for circumstances that we could also talk about in another episode. And uh, I worked with my folks for about 15 years, growing their portfolio, bringing in some new thoughts and operational you know, stand, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it standards, you know, but operations. And then over the course of my time with them, about 15 years, um, we grew the business. We professionalized um, with the help of my parents and their stewardship. Uh, and I kind of cut my teeth on buying and repositioning multifamily assets, so apartment buildings. How many years ago? I was with them for 15 years. And then about three years ago, you know, different age and stage, my folks were kind of getting to the end of their, they slowed down on their push for growth and expansion. And I was ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, I had, I had done a couple projects within the family fold that had been pretty, I mean, thank God they were successful, but they were a little bit outside of the box. We were looking at uh, environmentally contaminated sites. We were buying uh, and repositioning mixed-use uh, rooming houses and converting them to high-end lofts, rental. Uh, so about three years ago, I went out on my own, uh, which was a very scary thing. Uh, you know, at 39 years old with three kids to, you know, pivot your career and, you know, leave the confines of a a warm, fuzzy work space, but thankfully I had the blessing and support from my my parents and my family, and it's been an amazing adventure to be able to build and start my own uh, shop. So a question, question to get it started, where did you begin? You branched off, you wanted to grow, they wanted to hold, how did you begin? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that it began probably 10 years ago when I pushed pretty hard to take on a, a large apartment building that was environmentally contaminated, that was 70% vacant, 
you know, I, I encouraged my family to to purchase the asset. We repositioned it within two years. I had gotten a uh, a clean environmental uh, risk assessment, which is what you do when you have a, a dirty site. Uh, we did refinancing. We were able to, you know, almost pull out 100% of our equity invested. And that kind of triggered a light bulb in my head that, you know, there's opportunity in the city to be able to look at properties differently. And so, you know, I, I started to transition within the kind of confines of our family business. Uh, about five years later, we bought a, a, a very run-down former hotel um, that we converted to lofts and to retail. And then, you know, three years ago when I started Spice Cart, which is the name of my company, uh, I started with a small asset. We bought a, a vacant a rooming house type of a, a shelter and we, we completely renovated it, uh, made it extremely high end. It was in a little bit of a transitioning neighborhood. I always kind of looked at things differently. My grandfather always, I don't know if I learned it from him. I feel like I learned it from him. You don't want to buy where everybody's buying now. You want to be where, where things are going to be in five years. So I, I've, I've always looked at things differently. I've looked at where cities are moving, where neighborhoods are gentrifying. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a, of a touchy situation with people and gentrifying neighborhoods, but you know, at the end of the day, we follow the opportunity and I like to be forward thinking. I don't want to be where everybody's buying today. I want to be the guy that's buying where people think it's crazy. So you started the company a handful of years ago, like really kicked it into gear the last two, three years. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think everyone listening understands the type of asset class that, that you got started with. Uh, what I'm curious to to hear is is how did you find your first handful of properties? You've obviously scaled a lot since then. Uh, is, is is there something specific that you were looking for to continue on that trend? You know, I would say that you know one of the the benefits that I've had over the the span of my call it career or experience is that I've I've always been able to maintain and build relationships within the brokerage community. So that's on the, the broker side. Um, so over the years, I've built up a very good rapport with a lot of the young up and coming brokers and uh, using that network who, who have now matured, you know, over, you know, five, 10, 15 years, um, those have been my uh, most trusted resources. I typically do not uh, participate in, you know, what they call a dog and pony show. So a marketed transaction. I'm not the guy, I'm not a buyer when it's kind of taken to market and everybody lines up to bid on something. That's not the type of asset that I'm typically targeting. That's amazing information and insight. So, so the next question which staff did you hire first? You just started a property management company from scratch. Where did you start? Who did you hire? Well, I, w I, would, I would say out of necessity, um, the property management, you know, intuitively our family has always managed our own assets. We typically did not do third party. 
Um, so for me, I was wired to, you know, understand the importance and value of having your finger on the pulse. And uh, in my opinion, you know, I wanted to be the one that was really understanding the nuts and bolts of all of my assets. So I was fortunate enough to have my brother uh, come on board about a year into, uh, you know, operating my company. Bear. And he came in, Barry, Uncle Barry. Um, and he, he came on board. Um, also, he had been working with my family um, within our kind of family core business. And he came on board with me. And as we grew, um, he's been my right hand from the get-go, um, really focusing on operations, on the property management side of things um, that falls under his wheelhouse. Um, I had one of my most trusted staff uh, who came with me. He was he was actually working as a superintendent um, at one of our assets, and he was driving an Uber on the side. And I said, "Listen, just drop drop what you're doing." and uh just come come and work with me and that's savon and uh he he's a beauty the 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 way that we met is another crazy story for another episode the next podcast i feel yeah i feel like uh i was blessed to have savon come on board with me and uh our core was really the three of us at the beginning and uh now as we've scaled and uh pivoted i want to say um, we've now brought on uh, an analyst named Brandon. Uh, I've got an associate who's growing out and scaling our business. And uh, one of my partners, Alex, who helped found Spicecart with me um, after we kind of professionalized things. Um, so we've got a very, a very solid core team that is split down the middle. Part of it is property management. Um, and the other side is asset management and opportunistic real estate repositioning, I guess is the best way to say it. I'm curious, did Brandon and Alex have any past history in real estate, property management, purchasing, selling buildings? No. Zero. Alex's background is in the growth space for companies, and uh, they came in and helped me grow and professionalize my operations within Spicecart to be able to be the best-in-class uh, LP structure. So we bring in outside investors that are able to participate in the transactions that we uh, stick handle, and uh, they have been a an invaluable um, resource, Alex and Eric, um, in growing spice cart. And then, uh, Brandon has come on. I think Brandon's probably been with us now for two years and we're growing rapidly, you know, in the last three months, I would say, um, <laughs> during in the depths of COVID. Hey, it's happening. People are getting busy. Well, listen, you know what? That's, that's, uh, it's how you look at things and it's about pivoting and being able to, uh, recognize the opportunity and trying to have a line of sight on where and what can be uh, beneficial during uncertain times. I have a very particular question for you. Um, believe it or not, a handful of people asked about this when, when I was asking friends and, and family and listeners and everyone, what do you want to hear about? A couple episodes about real estate. 
And basically the, the question of, you know, talk about flipping a property is, have any of the, the, the people that you're talking with flipped a property, you know, we want to hear about that. Uh, I, I would love to hear about that. Have, have you ever flipped an asset? Maybe yes, maybe no. I'm very interested. So I, I would say that I've got two specific responses. One, one is that, you know, I'm, I'm always approached by friends and, you know, they say to me, they say, I need to get into real estate and I know that that's where, you know, wealth is created. And I say, first of all, you should go watch the movie Pacific Heights. And I'm, I'm a bit older than you, Johnny, and I don't know if you've seen that movie, but that, that movie Anybody that wants to own property on a small level as an investment should watch it because it will quickly deter most people from investing in, uh, you know, condo or a townhouse or something like that. Uh, my answer to folks that are interested in investing in real estate is to, you know, invest in a REIT or participate in the market with a best in class investment group. If you are dead set on getting into the market, then you need to research, 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 because it's all in the buy. You know, if you were going to buy a, a, a house to renovate and flip, uh, it is a very taxing and risky uh, maneuver. Um, that being said, the benefits are that, you know, if you do your homework and if you really uh, spend the time understanding the neighborhood, planning for the worst, but hoping for the best, um, then you may be successful in your venture. Uh, as a professional, my motto historically has been to never sell. Um, again, I, you know, that's old school mentality from my grandparents. Team no sell. Yeah, team no sell. I mean, in, in my career... I would say I've I've now sold one asset. Uh, I bought a, a development site in the downtown core. All all of the the stuff that I target is specifically downtown core Toronto. Um, but I bought one site on the university campus. It was probably one of the last uh, privately held homes on the campus. It had an approval for an eight story building. It was pretty contentious. Uh, I had to do a couple things that got me some media coverage that wasn't great, but needless to say, I did what I did, and uh, I was approached by a group of foreign investors that offered me a number that I just couldn't say no to, and I sold that property about two years ago. I don't regret it at all. Uh, it was a development site, and I'm not uh, an infill development specialist. That's not where I hang my hat. Although we are now slowly moving into that space, um, that was the only building, whatever, that, uh, that we've ever sold. I mean, that, uh, <laughs> that's a very unique flip, I guess. Um, but everything before that, I mean, that's, that's amazing. I, I would love to hear that if I was a young individual interested in, in kickstarting a, a career in real estate. That's that's great feedback. I, I I agree with you, Johnny. The one thing I would say is that if anyone that is nimble, that is young, that has the ability to, um, I would go back on what I said. Um, you know, you're able to buy a home, 
your primary residence in Canada and Ontario. I'm not sure about Quebec, um, but you know, my family started out, my grandparents started out buying and flipping homes. My parents started their business by buying and flipping homes. And, you know, you need to be nimble. You need to live with inconvenience. You need to be able to uproot your family. You know, if you're young and you're single, and you're able to make some moves and buy a, buy a home and renovate it or buy a condo, an old condo and renovate it, that's where the value is, you know, in my opinion. And again, I'm no maven on, on investing in investment properties. That's kind of a, a different space. But anybody that's buying finished product, you know, people that are speculating on condos or things like that, that's always made me nervous. I think that there is a a better opportunity in trying to find the diamond in the rough, you know, the worst house on the best street that you can add some elbow grease to and put in some time and effort and, and fix it up, live in it for a little while, sell it, make some money, rinse, repeat, do it again. Uh, that, that would be my, my biggest piece of advice to, you know, single people or young families that don't have to worry about school districts and, you know, granted now everybody's living in a in a, a Zoom school environment, but, you know, back when, when the world gets back to normal, uh, you know, folks that are able to be nimble and deal with some inconvenience, those are the ones that can really get ahead, you know, and in real estate, I think there's no, there's no shortcuts, right? Like it's, it's low and slow and you need to be calculated and, and in my opinion, ethical, because that's the the biggest benefit that that uh, you can have. There's so much value in 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 your words, Avi man. Everyone's going to be super appreciative. It's it's rare. It's not every day that that a the chillest and b super knowledgeable, current, young investor in 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 a challenging market and in, in Toronto and the core. I mean. It's uh, it's gold, man. Thank, thanks, thanks so much. Well, boy. listen, I don't, I don't want to give you all my special sauce. It's enough. It's enough sauce. This is just the. Pickles. I gotta save some of the good stuff, but uh, you know, really, that's that's from from the heart. You know, I, I really believe that you know, if you do your homework, if you act um, ethically, and if you're a mensch, people, you know, specifically brokers, will want to continue to work with you. And that's really, how, you know, I've prided myself on my word and my uh, my homework, my due diligence to be able to continue to do good deals that make me feel good. Most importantly, um, you know, I, I am at a point in my life where I'm able to involve myself in projects that really bring out my creative flair to be able to bring back the heritage of, you know, an old building that, that, you know, at one point was iconic and maybe looked over in, in time and to be able to breathe new life into it. That's really where I find my passion, my drive. You know what I'm interested in a big part about being a mensch and, you know, getting in and out of these, these types of transactions day to day is the ability to say no. How important is that? I, I feel like there's so many weasels slipping around, like just say no. How do you, how, how do you perfect that? Yeah, listen, I think that the hardest thing to do is to pass on a deal because it's easy. It's easy to, 
make a mistake, it's hard to say no and to move on and not transact on something. So you got to look at look at all of the different factors and variables that uh, play into uh, an acquisition. And first of all, never get emotional about a, a, a property. Never be too optimistic or bullish on uh, uh, something because you always need to be mindful of the risks and again, plan for the worst, but hope for the best. Amazing. Talk to me about SpiceCard. What's the identity? What's the meaning behind SpiceCard? Uh, listen, you know what? For me, it was, it was really uh, about having something that speaks to the fabric of Toronto, that, that it's a diverse, multicultural uh, place that we are brought together from all different races, creeds, colors, backgrounds, and uh, to me, the, the, the best representative of different people, races, nationalities, ethnicities is the spices that, you know, each group uh, holds true. So for me, it really didn't mean anything. I like that it didn't mean anything, but that it did mean something. Uh, it had a nice twang to it. And uh, that, that's where it came from. So You couldn't have said that better. Didn't mean everything, but it did mean everything. Wow. <laughs> right, right, and actually, uh, you know, we we I should say that we were, you know, we were founded and focused in the Toronto core, um, but we are excited about an expansion, hopefully in the near future, uh, a Montreal office, and uh, you know, as we grow, we're looking to explore more more emerging markets that are exciting. Uh, you know, Canada is a great place. And uh, look forward to getting back to the new normal, whatever that's going to look like, and uh, being able to come visit you again. Now that is exciting, and we may have a few investors for you when you uh, when you shift SpiceCard down here. <laughs> um, so obviously, everything is upside down right now. Have you noticed any trends in the space? What do you see going on in front of your eyes? For me specifically, and SpiceCard, we we were fortunate to have been uh, positioned well within the apartment multifamily space. Um, we have a very small holding of street front retail, um, which has taken a massive hit. Luckily, residential vacancy rates in Toronto and specifically in the downtown core have been historically low. Uh, I think people are worried about evictions and uh, we have experienced a fantastic uh, payment history over the last three or four months. Um, you know, I can't say the same for a lot of the different uh, groups that are out there. And, you know, I think retail already was on the ropes with the, uh, with the emergence of online shopping and, um, you know, all the, the different shifting trends that have been happening. I think that companies were trying to figure out the, you know, what that was looking like for us, you know, I always laugh. I just say, like, the internet can't change where people live. Is retail caca right now? Is retail caca? Listen, you know what? I, I don't want. I don't want to be the guy. I'm not. A, I don't. I don't know more than I know. I think that it's it's scary. I think that there's going to be a lot of retail available. Um, there's going to be uncertainty in the market. We don't know what it's going to look like. You know, who's going and opening up a new business? in a downtown retail space 
right now or in six months, you know, not to go down the COVID uh, rabbit hole, but, you know, in a year from now, I don't know how much better or worse we're going to be. But for us, we're pretty laser focused. We're not looking at retail. We're not looking at office. We're not looking at industrial. Uh, You know, I stick with what I know. I always say that, uh, you know, you don't need to be a master of all things. Just be kind of good at something. So Pablo actually gave me a couple questions. He's like, you know what? You have to ask Gavi because I'm interested. If you had a magic lamp, you knew what was coming. How would you have prepared the business side of things for for COVID and and all the schmutz that's going on? You know, I I, want to say that you know, part of the the strengths that we've been able to rely upon has been our ability to base ourselves in the cloud. And again, with a huge help from you, Johnny and Pablo and Building Stack, um, you know, our office is remote. I took my staff down the rabbit hole. You know, I got pretty nervous and serious about the, the this impending pandemic. Uh, late February, early March, we stopped going into the office right at the beginning of the March. And uh, we've been able to operate remotely, you know, using the cloud, obviously, for, for our data and our backup, communicating through Zoom. Thank God on our end, we've been able to operate, I'd almost say, even more efficiently in this current um, atmosphere. Wow. The running joke with my team is that I keep telling them that when things go back to normal, um, I'm not coming back into the office because I'm way more productive now, not having to commute an hour back and forth to the office and running downtown to meetings. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this, uh, <laughs> this new normal going. Yeah. I feel that. And you know what? It's actually scary and unreal that I'm like, you know what? Maybe I don't have to go back to the office. Maybe we don't need an office. I'm super efficient at home. You're you're, you're yeah. marching to your own beat. You're getting shit done. We were talking about about retail before. Office, I don't even know about. It's not just me. It's everyone. You know, I I think office will be strong. I think that there is a need for offices and people are going to be desperate to return to an office. The question is, what does that office look like? And I think that that's where there will be opportunity. I think that companies are going to require more space. I think that, you know, social distancing probably will be with us for a while. And the idea of an open communal workspace, which was kind of the big go-to for the last decade, is going to be looked at differently. So I, I definitely feel that office will be a necessary requirement. And I'm, you know, I, I am confident that the office space will continue to perform. Conducted differently. Conducted differently. And, you know, I think that there's probably an opportunity for partition companies. You know, the, those guys have become dinosaurs because nobody wanted to have cubicles anymore. But I'll tell you, if, if, if somebody's going back to an office, do they want to know that they've got their own sanitized space? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or do they want to be working at a communal table that 
has a you know a, a a turnover of you know God knows how many people touching and coming in. So I think things are changing. I think that uh, you know day by day the atmosphere is changing, and and uh, you want to have your finger on the pulse. Very very well said. So before we get into the fun stuff, one final question. Sure. Um, I asked my guest last week, Mike Wilk. Very curious to hear to hear your answer. Uh, if there was anything that you wish that the average tenant knew about being a landlord, about you know property management, I already mentioned last week, and I'm remaking the joke, but I mean uh, the landlord, the lord of the land, the big bad guys collecting the rent. Uh, I mean, you know what what do they need to understand that maybe they don't even think about? Nah, you know what? I I don't I don't know the answer to that. The running joke that I always have, uh, and and I I I get to say that like really I don't deal with the day to day brain damage of property management because it's probably one of the worst. It's one of the worst jobs you could have. And the running joke that I have is that you never get a call from a tenant to say they're paying their rent early and everything is great <laughs> and they don't. And they don't have any problems. All you're doing all day, every day is fighting for the, the dollar, paying the bills that continuously go up, up, dealing with brain damage and generally, you know, dealing with unpleasant circumstances, which is why I'm very happy to have <laughs> insulated myself with a solid team. Uh, that are on top of their game and recognize the importance of dealing with tenants respectfully and professionally, but it's definitely not something that I like to do. The answer is there's no answer and right, right. you're not, not, not wrong. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're onto something, Avi, Uncle Avi. You can bring Barry on for that one. I'll, I'll leave it with this. We, we're, we're, we've recently acquired a property that is on a major artery in the city of Toronto. Uh, they happen to be building a subway underneath the building, uh, or they call it a, an LRT. And we had a tenant reach out to us via email, raging, asking us if we have reached out to the subway builders to ask them if they could expedite their construction because it's disturbing his living situation. Oh my God. And I basically just shook my head and said, like, like how do you respond to this person? Like, <laughs> you know, yes, I, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call the mayor and tell them that, you know, you're angry that they're building a subway and they happen to be rattling your wall. Like, what do you want me to do? What would the mayor say to you? Well, I, I, you know, again, brain damage. <laughs> All right, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. So the next topic requires an introduction. Yeah. I come from Montreal. I would say 85%. And the stats don't lie. I just need to look at the updated stats. Uh, of the listeners are are listening from Quebec. Um, I pretty confidently say that Bass Lake, 
your country home, your cottage, your estate, your meshiga, it's insane. No one's used to it. No one understands it. Well, I have to, I have to tell you, it came, from, it came from a Quebec inspiration. When I was young, I read The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, which was written by Mordecai Richler, who was a Montreal native. And uh, I encourage everyone that's listening to, to read the book. Uh, and, and one of the big quotes in the book was that a man without land is nothing. So what I had been aspiring to, and I'd always wanted was a, a place that was private and secluded and within a, a two hour radius of the city of Toronto. Uh, and about five years ago, I'd been looking for a property for 10 years. About five years ago, I stumbled on I call it a unicorn because it, it checked all of the boxes of, of the requirements that I'd been looking for for probably eight years. Uh, you know, with my myself and my brothers, we were avid outdoors people. Uh, we love to fish. We do some hunting, uh, more just being outside and, and being together. And uh, as the years went by, hunting and fishing on public land was getting a little bit more sketchy. Uh, people were drinking. There was, you know, it, it just didn't feel safe. So we we found multiple properties that were, you know, they would check a couple of the boxes, but they didn't check them all. And then uh, we were fortunate to find a spot uh, five years ago, just outside Toronto, uh, that was within the the boundary of my two hour uh, radius. They were building a highway, the tollway out in that direction and uh, we bought this land um, that we've now been working and cultivating to uh, uh, to make it make it great so what are this what are some of the highlights of bass lake uh, I mean the highlights for me are you know and, and the check marks that were important were again that it was within two hours of the city so it's now now that the the, the highway is, is complete it's a, an hour and a half door to door from my house um, we've got quite a bit of acreage we've got a, a lake in the middle of the property so we own all the land all around the lake which again was testament to uh, to duddy Kravitz because that was in the book, not to give it away, that's what uh, that's what he did. He bought up all of the land around a lake in the Laurentians, I believe. Yep. So we were able to purchase all of the land around our lake, and over the years now, we've we've steadily um, bought more and more property abutting our property. And funny enough, today we closed on fifty acres, which directly butts up to a county forest which is approximately 8000 acres and once we cut a trail to it we will have access to those 8000 acres because it's public land and there's uh there's snowmobile trails dirt bike trails and amazing times to be had once we get that trail cut up into the new property. Wow. So the land before today was how many acres? Um, I believe I haven't done the calculation, but I think we just, we just went over 750 acres. 
And then now there's an entrance from 8,000 more acres of wildlife. That's right. That's insane, man. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So next question, some of the recent additions, pretty much every month I speak to you, (laughs) you know, Uncle Johnny, we build a deck, we build uh, like, what do you- Yeah, complete maniacs. What have you done recently? Well, the big focus up there has always been infrastructure. You know, for the first few years, it was making sure that the property drained well and that our water was moving properly and that we had uh, storage. We built a shop for our machines that is just getting completed from the beginning. We didn't have any structures. We were working with with, uh, shipping containers that we dropped on the property and you know, our shop has now been completed. So we've got, you know, the heart of the operation where our machines can be serviced. Um, we've got excavators, we've got tractors, we've got, we built, you know, we, we renovated an old barn that was on the property. We brought in horses. Uh, (laughs) we've got a, (laughs) we've got a little rec room above where we get to hang out and have a good time. We have a pool table. I'm a notorious hoarder, apparently, my family says. And I brought my original bunk bed from when I was a little kid. I hung on to it, and we've recently put that into a renovated cabin on the property. Wow. And uh, the most recent acquisition, which is probably the funniest, uh, this weekend we brought to the ranch four new critters we brought gerald the alpaca who's going to be a a guard animal we brought uh felicia the mini horse a mini horse and then yeah a mini horse and then we brought two baby sheep uh a black sheep and a white sheep (laughs) and i i believe the names are mac and lucky Oh, if I'm not mistaken. My God. So we have a menagerie of critters and uh we're having a really good time. Like I have to say that's my that's been my my escape and my ADD uh <laughs> extravaganza to be able to be doing all kinds of crazy fun things uh out of the city. Quick question. If I came over tomorrow with a fishing rod how many seconds would it take me to catch a bass? Well, tomorrow would be a good day because I actually spend Wednesdays out at the ranch getting caught up with all of the different projects. And more recently, my wife has championed a uh, a, a charity philanthropy uh, mission to sell eggs to friends and family and all of the proceeds go to the frontliners, to feeding the frontliners. Wow. So we, we bring back between four and 5,000 eggs every Wednesday. That's a lot of eggs, man. <laughs> a lot of eggs. But to answer your question, uh, the lake has been uh, stocked. It had been stocked about 15 years ago, and it's teeming with, with, uh, with bass and bluegill, uh, which is a type of fish. And... Uh, it's pretty fun, man, because it had never been fished prior to us um, spending time up there. 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 10 minutes, 2 hours? 10 seconds. <laughs> 10 seconds? Yeah, 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 10 seconds. Oh. I mean, the, 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 the fish are, they're like, it's pretty crazy. 
actually, it's exciting because we have been the testing grounds for two different fishing lure companies. One is Shimano. Uh, they're based out of Peterborough. They're a worldwide um, outdoor product company. They do a lot of their product testing uh, at the ranch. And one of my very closest friends is the uh, owner and founder, uh, actually two of my buddies, they founded a company called Lunker Hunt. And uh, we, we like to consider ourselves strategic partners with Lunker Hunt. And they do all of their product testing, video shoots at the lake, uh, and they just absolutely slay the bass. Quick question, and it's a little bit premature, but we're going to get into it in two and a half minutes. Margell Farms is starting very soon, June 22nd to be exact. Um, I have contracted our in-house building stack designer to help design a logo for Margell Farms. And I would like Amazing. to put it on a camouflage background. I need 4,000 eggs every Wednesday if you're able to fulfill that order. It's impossible. <laughs> but what I do need is your camouflage lunker hunt hat collaboration. I need that hat. The Margell Farms Amazing. collab lunker hunt. Amazing, amazing. As long as we put a Bass Lake Ranch logo on it, we'll make it happen. 100%. 100%. So um, what is your vision for Bass Lake? Uh, my vision? I, you know what? It's evolved over the years. Originally, it was supposed to just be a spot for us to go, me and my brothers, to hang out. And now it's evolved into a full-fledged resort where folks are able to come with their families and uh, spend spend you know special time with them we had a summer camp operating out of there last year uh, a religious girls horseback riding camp uh, uh, we're evolving our agriculture we just planted gardens we've got animals um, i don't know i don't know what the vision is i i know that it's my definitely my passion it's definitely where i get to spend my happy time with my my wife and my kids and my brothers and my family and my friends the vision is that it's just going to continue to to evolve and flow as the years go by. It is the it is the coolest cottage, country house, retreat, camp, everything, anything that that I've ever seen and and have been blessed to to spend time in. I can't wait to come visit you in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm either going to grab chickens from you and you know what, let's call it <laughs> borrow it because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having trouble finding them in Montreal. Everyone's like selling chicks or you have to yeah. wait too long to get the egg layers. We've got beautiful chickens. And I told you, you know, if you ever have a hard time getting chickens, you need to just come for a visit and uh, take some of our, we actually have heirloom birds that came from a friend that had a bed and breakfast out in the country and they they moved back to the city and they had this flock of fancy heirloom chickens that we acquired and uh we've we've taken care of this flock of chickens and grown grown it i think we've got 25 uh, uh egg birds currently and you know that's really just for for us we you know we we get you know a dozen and a half eggs a day and uh it's it's really been great so if I'm going to keep it real, 
it's it's all really just just a big sham to to come to Bass Lake. I mean, t- there's something that that I th- I think yeah we spoke about it. Bas- basically, um, Ella, she's like, yeah, you can get chickens, but you have two months, maybe three months, you know, and then and then they're out. And I'm like, you know what? No problem. Backup plan. I'll bring them to Abby. So what kind of a of a shist if I drove to Bass Lake, scooped up a handful of chickens, brought them to Montreal to Westmount for for two months, and then I bring them back and we and we and we chill. Listen, as long as you're bringing a trunk full of Schwartzes, you can do whatever you want with my chickens. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, done. I will see you tomorrow. And Come for a visit. <laughs> Come for a visit. And I'll see you two months tomorrow with the chickens if I didn't kill them. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Any any advice for me as as a future chicken owner? Mm, I would say enjoy it because it's some of the some of the best times that I have in my life right now is watching my kids interact with our our you know the different animals that we have. And understanding that, and and the appreciation that they're getting to see where their food comes from, and to you know to go and collect an egg and be able to to make eggs and not waste their food. Uh, it's been a very, it's been a real. I don't know if humbling is the right word, um, but it's been a an amazing experience. What an answer! What an answer, man! Yeah. Yeah, I think your kid, your guy, your guys, uh, they're gonna love it. I know that this kid is cleaning up all the chicken shit a hundred percent. If he doesn't eat meatballs, he's getting no, threatened. No, the no, there's shit. no, there's no cleaning it. You gotta move the coop around your lawn to fertilize it. It's the best. That's the goodies for your grass. That's that's what you learn. So that's the trick. You just move, that's move the, the trick. You gotta the, move. The you gotta move your coop. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And you just don't pick it up at all. Put it on wheels. I mean, that's what I. No, that's no, what you but the, the shit. You just leave it, and that's no, it. No, 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 no. As long as you, as long as you move it around, it's not going to burn your grass. If you leave it in one spot, they'll pick it clean, and uh, it'll burn all your grass. You save me like two twenty-five to two seventy-five. I was Home Depot getting the garbage <laughs> bins and the gloves and the no, shovel. No, no, come on, no, no. I encourage you and all your listeners to go watch a movie on Netflix called The Biggest Little Farm. It's one of the, the most inspiring and, uh, and, and amazing documentaries that I've seen in years. And I enjoyed watching it with uh, my wife and my kids. And, and we, we've watched it repeatedly over the last few months. What's it about in 20 seconds? Uh, it's about a, a couple that lived in a city and had a dog. Dog got them thrown out of their apartment. They bought a farm. The husband was a wildlife photographer, and they documented their seven-year um, uh, project of establishing and growing their farm. And uh, you know the tipping point of when they actually started to win, and the the challenges, the pitfalls, and the um, the accomplishments that they were able to to achieve over their um, their duration of their farm. All right, I'm watching amazing. it. We're watching it. We're watching it. Everyone's watching it. 
You know, one of the things one of the things that I wanted to say that I, that 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 has always been important to me, and uh, you know, I think that it's part of the whole karma, the karma thing. That you know, you need to be giving back. You gotta give back to your community. You've got to give back to um, you know whoever is important to you, whether it's it's a rabbi, a priest, a a, a spiritual leader. Um, you know, you, you got to be mindful of those that are less fortunate and try to um, figure out how you can how you can pay it forward. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in karma and in uh, good deeds. And if if everybody would do good deeds, I think that we would be a lot better off um, as a as a country, as a world, as a city. And, uh, you know, back to the whole real estate thing, I think that it's important in you know, when folks are are doing real estate and being a landlord, it's being a good person and recognizing that, you know, you're dealing with people. And uh, when you have successes, you should pay those successes forward to help out either those that are less fortunate or your synagogue, your rabbi, your your pastor, your your imam, you know, whoever, whatever brings you um, that spiritual leadership. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's back to the idea of farming and that everybody, if everybody plays their part, um, in an ecosystem, things can and will be much better. So that, that, that's my, that's my two, that's my two cents on that. You actually answered one of my two last questions. Um, one I was going to ask for, for any final insightful remarks that was beautiful. And number two, uh, before that was going to be. If someone in the general public wanted to book uh, a stay at Bass Lake, is that possible? Is that available? Can someone do that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. We, 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 uh, we've got a website. It's uh, BassLakeRanch.com. Um, this year, I believe we are fully booked up uh, with a, the, the different projects that are happening and the upgrades that we're doing. Um, we we had some availability um, for the accommodations, but we're I believe booking into next summer now, um, and we we just recently got a a wedding tent that's sixty feet by seventy feet, <laughs> and it's for weddings, bar mitzvahs. Uh, <laughs> so it's crazy. We're we're having a good time, and you know our website's old and uh, probably needs a refresh. But uh, yeah, you know, I encourage everybody to come for a visit. I love that. I mean, I had to mention because, I mean, if I'm keeping it real and I was one of the buds, one of the bros or, or one of the girls, you know, you never know. Yeah. Listening. Well, we've had know. bachelor parties. We've had bachelor parties come out there. On. I mean, it, yeah, company retreats. We had a summer camp. We, 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 we really are able to cater to all different needs. We, we can sleep you know, between four and 30 people. Um, and, you know, as the days and weeks and months go by, there's different fun and exciting additions that are, that are happening out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's a good time. Amazing, man. We're, we're just over an hour, but you know what? This had, this had to be the longest podcast that I've done so far. There's too many interesting things. We speak all the time. <laughs> we, we, we talk about things that do not make sense. 
and it was important for us to to capture uh, it, all, it all makes it all makes sense johnny it's just uh it's just how do we fit into that bigger picture but this this needed to exist for for us to to own and cherish and to listen to with Amazing. our families 20 years so i i appreciate you thank you for doing this thank you for everything so much good advice no honor honor and a privilege to be on here with you and uh you know kudos to you taking the the leap to be able to you know it takes a lot to put yourself out there and and speak and uh talk your mind and put your heart on your sleeve so keep doing what you're doing your 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 previous podcasts have been fantastic i've enjoyed them and uh i look forward to you doing uh, many more and i'm happy to chime in for a shorter appearance or a longer one whatever you need i'm always here time will tell um after i hit stop let's go outside let's have a white claw let's facetime and uh talk for two minutes before schluffy okay <laughs> have a white claw i love it <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you right, Abby, man. you're the man Thanks, guys. Tov, man i'll speak to you very right. very shortly you're the best fantastic fantastic ciao bro take care Episode 7 is a wrap, buddy. You made it. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Next week will be the pièce de résistance. I'm joking. They're all pièces de résistances. But next week, we're going to have my business partner, my brother, one of my best friends in the world, Pablo Mangini. We're going to get him on the podcast. The podcast needed an episode like this where we're going to keep it extra real extra authentic we're going to break down the business that we started some of the ins and outs of the industry it's going to be a very special episode i've been planning it i can't wait to start recording it but until then take care of yourselves the cities all across north america and the world have been open there's riots, there's chaos, there's COVID. It's, it's madness, people. Just watch out, make good decisions, take care of yourselves, and I will see you back here next week. And on that note, until next time, Montreal, peace.